It was Martin Luther King Jr. who famously said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. What is remarkable about that statement is that it is as rare as it is true. While Martin Luther King stood strong for civil rights in America, the number of people who chose not to take a stand was legion. In fact, the vast majority took the easy path, stood on the sidewalk, and watched Dr. King's courage from the safety of the sidelines. I fear that history is repeating itself today when it comes to challenging ministry situations. God has gifted and called all of us to serve Him, and many are willing to step up when that ministry is stress-free. But what about when ministry is challenging, when people don't respond, or when enemies rise up? If you are looking for a good Christian role model who can show you how to succeed in difficult ministry situations, you will want to listen in to Vicki Hitzkiss, Kent Edwards, and Nathan Norman as they continue with part two of a three-week discussion of the ministry lessons focusing on the Apostle Paul in Acts 18. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life, into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman continue their discussion through the book of Acts. And if you have a Bible handy, turn to Acts chapter 18, verses 5 to 17, as we join their discussion. As we continue to focus on the Apostle Paul's ministry in Corinth, we see that Paul was ministering with humility and faithfulness. That's evident in verse 4. Yeah, this is in verse 4. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now, that's an ongoing faithful ministry, but it was not an easy ministry, was it? I'm sure it wasn't. It says in the next verse, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul, they became abusive. So no, it wasn't easy. Yeah, they opposed him and were abusive. What's interesting is that word opposed means to dispute, to contradict someone involving not only a hateful psychological attitude, but also corresponding behavior. Yikes, that's not nice, is it? No, that doesn't sound comfortable. Even to read about it thousands of years later, it's uncomfortable. So what would that have been like? Paul's preaching and uh, these Jewish opponents were, would be doing what? Heckling. Okay. Probably trying to prevent him from coming into the synagogue to begin with. Shouting him down, saying that's not true. Whispering in the background. Throwing shoes at him. Telling people that's not really true. What are his qualifications? They were opposed to him. And then the text also tells us, uh, Dr. Luke tells us, that they were abusive. That means to speak against someone in such a way as to harm or injure his or her reputation. To revile. To defame. Oof. That's not nice, is it? No. Ugh. No, no, no. It's very hard when people think that you are something you are not. When mm -hmm. they accuse you of being something that you're not. You want to defend yourself. 
You want to set the record straight and more often than not, you don't have the opportunity to do so. We see that sometimes even in politics, don't we? <laughs> yeah, just sometimes in politics, you know, just <laughs> very rarely in politics, but once in a while. <laughs> oh, but someone will uh, set the narrative and describe their opponent in ways that is unflattering and accuse them of false motives and trying in every way to undermine their credibility. And, um, and so typically what happens on the other side? They use the same tactics. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, mudslinging. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the, the difficulty that Paul found himself in. Now, remember, he'd come in humility. He had come in order to reach the Jewish people who were looking for a Messiah to let them know that the Messiah had come. There's a famous um, children's saying that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Do you think that's true? I don't think that's true at all. And I don't think it's just true for children. Sometimes I'll watch, you brought up politics, I'll watch a politician, and it can even be a politician on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I'll think, I would be the worst politician's wife because as much, <laughs> I would, I'd be terrible at it. Because as awful as it is for me to be accused of something, if somebody I love were falsely accused, oh mm. man, I'd be like a cat that like, <laughs> oh, I just, I remember when I was a child and Watergate was going on, watching that trial and feeling guilty. Wow. I had nothing to do with Watergate, by the way. <laughs> just for the record, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but, oh man, oh, sticks and stones, they can break bones, but words, oh man, the power of a bad word. Ooh. I can remember through high school, in my outspoken Christianity, there were there were times that I had, you know, some words and insults, and, and when I, I can just think, remember thinking like, man, this would, it'd be easier if someone just hit me. I can remember having church conflict in the church I was growing up at and having that same thought, like, man, if, if this was just a fist fight, right, even if I lost, it would be easier than this. It would be less painful, right? I've gone through things in churches as a youth pastor, as a senior pastor, and having your name slandered, having people uh, question your motives and your dedication to Christ, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, hit me with a stick, hit me with a stone. The 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 bone will heal, uh, the scars. Well, I might have a cool star, scar and look like uh, Jason Momoa or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that would do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got to work on my muscle mass and height, but whatever. <laughs> Grow out my hair, but but yeah, it would it would be much easier than to deal with the abusive language uh, that that sometimes comes when you're trying to serve others in the name of Christ. Maybe that's why Solomon wrote in Proverbs 15, 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Mm. Oh, and it can. And you know that as we look at Paul's experience, this was a vicious, soul-crushing attack against Paul. It hurt him personally for people to say this, the people he was trying to help to say this about him and attack him this way. Because look at how he responds in verse 6. He shook out his clothes in protest and he said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Ooh. And this is from a guy who used to kill people who weren't Christians. 
<laughs> yeah. Paul says, I don't want anything to do with you. You are so mean and so antagonistic. I've had it with you. And, and by the way, what's the significance of him shaking his clothes? Why? What's that all about? Well, it's reminiscent to when Jesus told the disciples when they were going two by two in ministry that if uh, a town did not receive their message and would not receive them, they were to shake off the dust of their sandals. And that was to symbolize, I am taking nothing from you. I've taken nothing. And this is <laughs> this is my symbol to essentially say, I mean, you you know, you're walking with your sandals and there's all sorts of gross things on it here. <laughs> this is this is my sign of judgment. I haven't done anything, but God's going to deal with you. Would they have known that? Oh, I think oh, so. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not even taking the dust. It's not even worth my time to take dust from you. You're, you're dog poop on my sandals. <laughs> so Paul is so hurt. He responds by saying, I've had it with you. I'm moving on. I'm done with you. Have you ever seen people who, who have done good ministry become so discouraged by the way they're treated that they quit or wanted to quit? I'm sure they wanted to. I, I, off the top of my head, no. How about you, Nathan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've wanted to quit uh, a number of times. And usually it was always when something happened, right? Mm -hmm. um, you're someone who's close, just turns against you for whatever reason. Someone that, uh, and this happens often in ministry, where someone that you've baptized, you've you've officiated their wedding or the wedding of their children, you've gone to the hospital visits, even though you had to put off your own family time and and miss X, Y, and Z, right? And you've you've literally bled and cried for them, and then they just, you know, now nah, I'm not interested anymore. I'm I'm gone. And how dare you? You're a horrible person, right? That hurts. Um, I I know it's hurt me. I. I have a one of the guys who mentored me who I really appreciate. He had such a hard time with one of the congregations he was working with. He just stopped doing ministry. He went oh. to a different profession altogether. And uh, and it didn't need to be that way. And frankly, the the way he was treated by the congregation, um it was it was way overblown. Uh, it was over it was over methodology, not theology. Yeah. There was no blaspheming going on. There was no neglect or abuse. It was just, we think we should do it this way. And we're going to abuse you because you won't. It's not unusual for anyone in whatever kind of ministry, lay, professional, whatever, to receive such harsh treatment from those that they we are reaching out to, to become discouraged. It happened to Jesus. I mean, I just remember in Luke chapter 4, when he was beginning his ministry, he came back to Nazareth where he grew up, preached his coming out sermon, said, I am the Messiah. And when he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendants, all spoke w well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. I guess he was a good preacher, right? And <laughs> he said, the Messiah has come and I'm him. But the whole attitude quickly changed began to ask the question, is this Joseph's son? I think they were questioning his virgin birth, insulting his mother. Yeah, we, probably we have terms that are not uh, not polite that we use. And I'm, I'm sure that essentially they were using those terms for him. Because Jesus immediately gets angry at them and he insults them. And they get furious at him. <laughs> and they almost threw him off the cliff. They wanted to kill him. I've preached some bad sermons. But I never got anyone want to throw me off the cliff at the end. 
And Jesus preached the world's greatest sermon, and they wanted to kill him. That's discouraging. These are the people he grew up with. I think at that point, I think Satan's temptation was to get him to quit, to be so discouraged when those who were closest to him turned against him that he would quit. I think Jesus knew how Paul must be feeling at this point. And that's why we read that Jesus showed up. And what does he say in verse 9? It says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Wow. You know, I think everyone faces what I call, sometime or other, they will face what I call the big hurt. A time when people reach out, insult us, ascribe false motives perhaps, but there is a massive personal hurt that makes us want to quit. But when we do, when we walk off the field into the bleachers, who wins? Satan. Satan and your enemies. Yes. <laughs> you have voluntarily taken yourself off the field and have refused to use the gifts and abilities God has given you to extend his kingdoms. There's always a test. But when that comes, Jesus in Luke 4, the next week, he went to Capernaum and continued to teach. Satan did discourage him, but it did not cause Jesus to quit. And it does not cause Paul to quit either. And look at the results. <laughs> He's, he was ready to walk away, but he didn't. And what happens? What do we read in verse 7? Then Paul left the synagogue and he went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Wow. Does that surprise you, Nathan? Mm. Yeah, it just it's the synagogue leader, right? So it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just some random guy he ran into. Okay, at least the Lord threw me a bone. It's like the top guy <laughs> believed in Christ. And just at his moment of greatest triumph here, he was about to walk away, which is important. I remember I, I'd had this incident where I was serving as a youth pastor and it was after the 2008 market crash. So finances of everyone, including churches, are in the toilet. Right. And I, re I remember uh, one of the pastors I worked for uh, insinuated in front of all of my colleagues that um, the reason the church was struggling was because of me and my uh, terrible ministry and ability. And, uh, and then I went to him privately and I said, hey, it seemed like you were insinuating this. And he's like, yeah, you know, it is. I don't, you're not cut out for ministry. You're not called to do this. And wow. uh, I used to think it was, you know, it was all my fault why uh, the market was falling down and, or why the church was having a hard time. And uh, no, it's, you know, I'm realizing it's, it, it's you. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> and I remember I went home, I walked up on top of a hill overlooking um, this lake and I just cried. Mm -hmm. I, I cried. And then I, I was still in seminary. I was talking to a friend in seminary. And um, and then he broke confidence and he told Mick Borsma about it. 
uh, from Talbot School of Theology. And, and Mick just came up to me a couple days later. He's like, hey, I hear you're having a hard time. And, uh, <laughs> and like the voice of God to Paul, uh, Mick came alongside me and, uh, and we worked through a lot of this stuff. And mm-hmm. he encouraged me to stay through. And, and I really do think my best days of ministry were almost immediately after that. Where, hmm. where I didn't, you know, I had one friend who I, I confided. He's like, well, I, I've got a friend uh, who's a higher up at FedEx. I can get you a job there. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe that's what I'm going to do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, for one, I'm glad you don't work for FedEx. <laughs> no, it, uh, he doesn't quit. And uh, the ministry is, begins to be effective. Not that the opposition immediately stopped, right? Oh, no. No, it says in verse 12, when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charge, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Yeah, so now he gets dragged before the court. Um, this is a systematic. Yeah, now he's got legal fees. <laughs> there you go. Who can pay money for legal fees? And prison could be the result, right? Mm-hmm. So, but God's assistance doesn't didn't stop because you read in verse 14. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, eh, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. <laughs> then the crowd there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. And Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. <laughs> oh, poor Sosthenes. Was he the leader that got saved? No, he wasn't no. even the leader that got saved. He was on their side. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. So the guy who came and brought him to trial got beaten up at the end. Oh, wow. If that's not, if you don't think God has got a sense of humor, you're missing this passage. Oh, wow. It did not turn out well for this guy. (laughs) God was with him. God protected him. And his ministry was phenomenal in Corinth. Oh, the crowd turned on, the crowd that was against Paul turned on the guy that started the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, wow. You idiot. You did all this and there was no substance and there's nothing here. You embarrassed us all. They just turned on him. So it was a complete reversal. There's sometimes in the Bible you can't, I can't help but laugh. And this is one of them. This is just opposite to what the enemies of Paul wanted to accomplish. Look, there's no doubt all of us are involved in ministry. Professional, uh, lay person, whatever it is, we have given a ministry. And when we minister, persecution will follow, right? Yep, absolutely. We're going to face opposition. The Apostle Paul said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Jesus said, if they persecuted him, they will also persecute his followers. So how should we respond when people attack us and our ministry? Do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 2? Is it when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. God can sort that out. But we don't quit. We press on in the ministry that God has given us. I, I think at those times, and maybe 
some of our listeners are facing this same kind of discouragement that we've read about in the text, even now. And maybe it would be helpful to hear Paul's words of encouragement to Pastor Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2, it says, Join with me in suffering. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Hmm. Martin Luther King was right when he said, The ultimate measure of a man and a woman is not where they stand in moments of comfort and convenience, but where they stand at times of challenge and controversy. Vicki, could you lead us in a prayer for anyone listening who finds themselves in the midst of ministry stress, you know, similar to what Paul did in Corinth? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Lord, we have all been in ministry, and I felt attacked witnessing to people before. And I know Nathan and Kent have felt stress in ministry, and there's going to be a person listening who's going through something difficult right now. And as we've read, he, she's going to be thinking about quitting. Maybe they have quit. Lord, I pray that you would have them reconsider and not quit, but realize that you're there and you're strong and you know what's going on. I pray that you would gird them, lift them up. As my dad used to pray, put your hand upon them for good. And I pray for victory soon. I pray they'd know that you're there, know that you're with them, know that you care, and know that nothing, nothing comes into our lives that takes you by surprise. Be with them, Lord. Amen. Amen. When God calls us to stay, we obey. We don't walk off the field. When he calls us to stay, we have the courage to stay. How should we respond when ministry situations turn difficult? We should respond with courage. When things get tough, don't let Satan make you quit. If you can, stay and obey. I trust that today's discussion of God's Word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's Word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more about this educational nonprofit organization, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. You can also support this show by rating it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're enjoying it. Be sure to listen next Friday as we continue our discussion of the book of Acts and discover the third essential attribute for successful ministry. You won't want to miss it. One fifty. Masterclass in Ministry, Part 2. Everyone knows the sequel's worse. Let's see how this goes. It was Martin. <laughs> this is then Paul left the synagogue and he went next door to the house of Titius Justice. Sure. There's a name for you. 